0: It is your man, Mr. R O Double D back with another podcast episode. This is episode number three. Uh, pushing these things out, man. So I can't complain at all, not one bit. Um, decided to add in a little jingle to the video since this is the first video. Uh, yeah, abruptly cut off. <laughs> We're working on that. Uh, it's progress work in progress. But uh, yeah. Welcome to episode number three. Glad to have y'all back. Glad to be back. Uh, we're definitely gonna talk about game four, um and how Curry finally quote unquote had his signature moment. Um uh, I believe Curry has just been just been great throughout this whole entire series. I believe in all honesty like he's proven that he's one of the top ten players to ever play this game. I'm going to stand by that no matter what people think or say because anybody who can change the way the game is played, how people view how to play the game, you have have to be in the top ten. You have to be in the top ten. I tell people all the time, I do not have, technically, I do not have Wilt, uh, Bill Russell, some of the pre-modern era players in my top ten because I believe. Me personally, I grandfather them in. Meaning that without them, it wouldn't be no story of the NBA. That's all I'm saying. Like I'm not saying they're not great. I'm not saying that they're uh they're not top ten. I'm just saying that they're almost like <laughs> how can I put this? They're almost like the Mount Olympus of basketball, as far as just the mythology the myth of just Bill Russell, the myth. Of Wilt Chamberlain, the myth of Bob Cousy, so um, that's just how I view things. That's just how I put things in perspective. You can agree to disagree, but definitely Curry is in the top ten for sure, especially if he wins this finals, which I believe they're going to do this next game. Um, They will, they will win game five and then again close it out in game six. Um, But that's enough for my intro rant. So, like I said. you see me looking down. It's just looking at my notes, uh, trying to be prepared, trying to be organized. Um, but the main thing I want to go over, um, just to let's just let's just roll back to some of just the key points before we get into what each team made uh, adjustment-wise, as far as Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. What the lack of adjustments from the Boston Celtics, uh, and the lack of urgency from the Boston Celtics Um, in the adjustments that the Warriors made. The number one thing that I like that they kept using the word force, force, come out and play with more force, come out and play with more force. And uh, I really, uh, I just love that term because that's pretty much sums up how they need to play. I think Curry came out on a different tune. He came out with a different swag this game. You can tell he was on one because anytime Curry starts yelling and yelling at fans, going to the other side of the bench and start, you know, doing his little shenanigans. You're in for a long night. I don't care who you are. I don't care what type of defender you are. Curry, in my opinion, is probably one of the hardest players to guard in NBA history because his perpetual movement, the way he moves without the ball, the way that he just constant, it's constant motion. Um. And, of course, he still, even with the ball, has one of the nicest handles, have a great finishing pack. Uh, but I'm really going on kind of like a a, a Curry. Uh, how can I put this just, you know, almost like I'm lusting over the bat. But Curry is one of the greats. And um, I just had to say that um, he definitely had his signature moment, 42 points. Um, majority of that coming – majority of that honestly coming in the first and third and just having timely baskets in the fourth. Um, timely baskets, timely just the way he moved the ball, the way he just uh just set the tone from the jump. I really like that from Curry, um in the Warriors and they just follow suit. Um the main thing they would just kept talking about was he would just he was just on a different focus. Like they can tell in the way he was walking, the way he was moving and his team goes as Curry goes. So I just really like that from Curry. I expect him to do the same thing in game five because they understand the importance of game five. And that's the one thing that they got over Boston. It's just the urgency of coming out and understanding that this one game matters. This one game. That's all that matters. We don't have another game like that. I think they approach it with more of that mindset where Boston's approaching it more like, okay, yeah, we got one game, but technically we got another game. So if we don't come out this game with the right tone, we got we got the next game at home. You know, I, I, of course, I don't want to seem disrespectful, but that's how Boston comes off. Like, they know they got other games to play. They know they got a minimum of two more games to play, and all they need to do is get one of them. And I don't mm-hmm. believe they're going to get now one of those two games, these upcoming games especially starting Monday. So uh, let's go over just pretty much the adjustment that Golden State Warriors made. And uh, we're definitely going to get into the downfalls of Boston. How I think they just laid one big goose egg. Um, they really had a chance to solidify and put their foot on Golden State net by going up 3-1 and definitely definitely um, having the momentum going back to, uh, I was about to say Oracle. but. <laughs> going back to chase center. So the main thing that, um, I just really, like I said, Curry just, he came out with a different type of focus. Um, he came out and he immediately set the tone, the tempo of the game, even though I believe Draymond is a great, he's probably one of the greatest role players to ever play the game. Um, and there's no knock on Draymond. I, I believe he, he will even, he's, probably one of the greatest role player, if not the greatest role player in his prime, prime for prime, pound for pound when it comes to role players and just being that right player for that one system. Um, but as great as Draymond is at uh, setting the tone throughout the regular season, uh, setting the tone through lower-level playoff games, I believe when Steph Curry comes out and he sets the tone, he sets the mood of the game, He sets the tempo, the cadence of the game. I believe the Warriors are more dangerous that way because Draymond can feed off of that more than Steph Curry can feed off of Draymond. Um, Steph Curry, when he gets the ball and he sets the tone of the the game with a live dribble, I believe he's way more dangerous coming into transition off of that because one of the greatest things about Steph Curry and his greatness is the simple fact that he can come up as soon as he passes half court, he can pull it with a live dribble. So, I believe him having the ball on those breaks, on those rebounds, on those live ball turnovers, that he's more dangerous coming down the court than Draymond. Draymond is a great facilitator. Uh, Steph Curry definitely comes off a lot of, uh, like, almost like drag handoffs where Draymond comes and have a lot of dribble, and Steph Curry will sprint the floor, sprint the slot, wing area, and then he'll come and go right into a, a dribble handoff with, with Steph. Um, that's probably one of the key key main ingredients in the break, but the fact that Steph Curry came out and was determined to set the tone of the game, to set the pace, it kind of helped him get into an offensive rhythm quicker because he had, he, he touched the ball, he has the ball in his hand, and everyone knows if you have the ball in your hand, you have more of a rhythm compared to when you do not have the ball in your hand. So Curry came out and immediately set the pace of the game, and um, from that point on, the team just fed off of that. They, they they ran with their leader. And I believe all superstars at this level, you cannot allow uh, role players to set the tone of the game. You cannot allow your your third option or fourth option to set the tone of the game. And I'm only saying that because now we're at the point where stars have to win you the game, where. Steph Curry has to be that type of – he has to be that special type of player to where he can solidify his spot in the top ten. He can solidify his legacy. I ain't even going to say legacy. His legacy is already solidified, but solidify his moment in the finals. This can be the series where everybody can look back. Steph is When it's all said and done, when Steph finally decides to hang them shoes up and and to quit, quit pulling that trigger, that this will be the series everybody goes back to and be like, this is Steph Curry at his peak, and this is the greatest shooter we ever witnessed in the biggest stage of basketball in the NBA Finals. And look what he's done. Uh, Steph Curry is just like, I can't say too much about him when it comes to this game and this series because I feel like I'm over-defending him because people really, I don't know what it is. People really find a way to hate on Steph Curry. I don't know if it's because he light skin. I don't, I don't know if because he, he likes dancing to Jimmy. Like, of course, Steph Curry got flaws. But, man, Steph Curry is just one great player. And I'm appreciating him more and more and more because I understand that they're closer to the end than they are at the beginning. And uh, that's pretty much it. I'm enjoying – I enjoyed every bit of what I watched in Game 4. Um, the main thing – Outside of Curry, though, is the fact that I believe Andrew Wiggins showed up and he was engaged the whole entire game. I, I said that before that I don't believe Clay Thompson is their definitive number two, and that's no disrespect to Clay, because <laughs> like, anytime you say this, I feel like I got to say this. Now. Everybody take it. over, and even still they can find a way. But Andrew Wiggins is definitely need definitely is their number two scoring option. Let me say this. Andrew Wiggins is a former number one. Andrew Wiggins is 6'8", 6'9", with a 48, 49-inch vertical, crazy super athleticism, super quick bounce off the floor, his first and second jump. Extremely long arms. Like, the defensive potential is through the roof. I still believe he hasn't even touched the ceiling yet, and, and he's getting closer and closer to tapping into what we think Andrew Wiggins can be. Which is, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar. I'm not going to say he's going to be a top-five player. In the league or like that. But Andrew Wiggins can be a multiple-time all-star in his career. He has that type of potential. He has that type of skill set. And I believe the Golden State Warriors are tapping into what Andrew Wiggins can do. Um, it's easy to play for someone who, you, it's easy to play hard for someone when you know you got a chance of winning or competing at the highest level compared to, when you're playing at the bottom of the barrel of the league and there's no guidance, there's no one telling you how to be a pro, there's no one telling you how to be a great player. So Andrew Wiggins is definitely benefiting the most from this, especially in his finals, because Andrew Wiggins has showed up and showed out. He had, let me, I want to make sure I have this right. Andrew Wiggins has seven, 17 points and 16 rebounds, 16. So he definitely carried the load. Um, he helped crash the boards. Draymond, I know Draymond had nine as well. He had nine rebounds, which he he definitely did a better job. I believe that's why Draymond is playing bad because he forgot he can do all these other things besides pass Steph and play the ball. Dre is a great rebounder. He's a great dictator of of the offense. He he hasn't been doing it. I believe he's been he's been a tryhard. And all that means is I believe he's been trying way too hard to get Steph Curry the ball. <laughs> <So, laughs> There's times where he's looking other players off when they're open just to try to get Steph Curry the ball Just play basketball, right? Come on, man. We already know this. But um, Andrew Wiggins, had a he showed up, showed out. He had a great, great performance. 17.16 rebounds. He definitely crashed the board. He definitely nullified what Boston killed them at um, in game three. Um, I think, and I just love that term that they use. They use, they need to play with more force, play with more force. And all that means is they need to come out and attack. You can't come out the game. You can't come out playing a game and just meander around against a very physical, talented, and youthful Boston. You have to meet force with force. And if you don't, you will be the one who get ran over. Roll to get rolled on. It's just that simple. So I like the fact that it came out with a lot of force. They came out hidden. They came out running. And uh, I want to get back to one one more point before I get into what Boston downfalls is, and I believe where they messed up completely. And I believe, like Golden State, and I believe they will do this for the rest of the series, and this is what win, wins them the series. They did a better job of gang rebound. They did a better job of doing that. Even though Robin Williams was still a force on the board, they limit everyone else. So, man, like fifty to forty-two on the boards with with the smaller team, like that is that is excellent. I believe and I and I've said this, in order for Golden State to win this, or Boston, either one, but like I said, everyone is rooting for their pick. I'm picking Golden State to win it in six. I I vetted one of my players. Push ups. We went double or nothing because I betted Miami will beat Boston in, in the six in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we betted a hundred. And uh, needless, needless to say, we saw what that went. But um, I also bet them that Golden State will win in six. Um, so <laughs> of course I'm rooting extra hard because I don't got no, I don't got no problems doing two hundred push ups, but you know I don't want to do them if I don't have to, <laughs> especially off of a bet. But um, all I'm saying is, all honesty, just to get back on subject, subject, uh, Golden State, in order to win this game, in order to win the series, they have to control rebounding. They have to control rebounding, free throws, and turnovers, which they broke even practically on free throws and turnovers. Golden State had 15. Boston had 16. Uh, free throws, Boston had 19 attempts. Golden State had 15 attempts. So they practically broke free throws. They could have did a better job of of executing to get more to the free throw line. But refs are letting them play as well. So if you want to win the game, they want to win the series. They have to do a better job of controlling the boards, which they did in game four, fifty to forty two. They have to do a better job of getting to the line, which Boston got to the line more than they did, but they limited them in the second half. So. Most of their free throws came in the first half when they were attacking, getting downhill, putting pressure on the rim, so they did a way better job of containing Boston in that way. They had to control the turnovers. They got a lot of live ball turnovers, which caused Steph Curry to get the thing in rhythm and without a set defense. when The best defense cannot get set. It's easy to get easy transition buckets for layups, and for Golden State, those are threes. Clay Thompson got Clay Thompson got off on a few transition threes. Uh, Andrew Wiggins got off on a few uh, ah, transition threes. Jordan Poole. And, of course, none other than the Chef Curry with Chefing in transition. So, in order for Boston to to really uh, bounce back, they have to control these turnovers. Um, And that's what I want to get to next, which was what what was Boston's downfalls. And Boston did a horrible job with controlling the ball. They were very loose with the ball. They were very careless with the ball. I didn't like the tone, the energy that they came out with, thinking that just because they dominated, this is literally how Boston came out. they thinking literally because they dominated them in game three that they was going to repeat the same process in game four, not expecting Golden State to make those adjustments. That is a very youthful and a very arrogant way of thinking how Boston came out. And people keep putting on their youth, their youth, their youth. At some point in time, you have to make changes. You've been doing this the whole entire playoff run. The only series they didn't do that with is the Brooklyn Nets series, where they came out and took care of a business every single game, took care of business immediately. The Milwaukee series, they came out laxadaisical after each win. The Miami series, they came out laxadaisical after each win. So I did not expect anything different from this series. That's why I got Golden State winning in six, because I believe Golden State, even though they are not the better team, they are the most experienced team. I believe experience in this case is going to make the difference. So even though Al Horford is a veteran, he doesn't have experience in playing in high-pressure moments in the finals. Um, So everybody knows the championship game, the championship series hit different. You can't come out and do the same things that you did in the previous series Eastern Conference Finals as you doing in the in the, uh, in the NBA Finals. You have to come out with more, as Golden State will say, more force. It's just that simple. So, Boston, man, like I said, they were so stagnant on offense. I hated the fact that they came out like Um and people was like, I know people looking like, what you mean they came out like like. It doesn't always mean coming out and not having um, – they came out with energy, of course, because the crowd, of course, home crowd, you, you, can, you can use them as, as, as a battery in your pack. Of course, they're going to make you run harder, make, uh, uh, make extra plays, make extra efforts off of just that normal, just crowd energy. But the thing that I did not like is the fact that I seen Boston was going to be jacking threes from the jump. And everybody knows when Boston gets trigger happy with shooting the three, after they make a couple, they start really headhunting the three. And I believe they're best when they're getting downhill, putting pressure on the rim as they did when they had the lead. Um, Most of their lead is when they get downhill because the simple fact Golden State does not have the athletes. To contain everybody, um, I believe, man. In all honesty, I believe I'm gonna talk about that. I ain't gonna talk about that now. We talk about that when we need to talk about the Game Five adjustments. Um, I'll save that for that. Um, but Boston, man, they were very loose with the ball. And can I be honest? Even though Jalen Brown is playing lights out, world class, he's proven that he's a he's a force in his league. He's a top twenty player in his league. Um, coming into next year, and I know the year's not over, with, but coming into next year, Jalen Brown will be top 20, top 25 minimum player in the league. Um, yeah, I, i say with top 20, top 20 for sure. Um, so they will have two top 20 players on their team, um, in the defensive player of the year, in the future defensive player of the year. Um, but <laughs> I'm monologuing, <laughs> but, um. Jason Tatum, where are you? Not really. Like, where are you? Like, we keep talking about, I keep hearing people say, you know, he's going to be better than Kevin Durant. Um, he's he's definitely top five in the league now. It's between him and Luka as the upcoming face of the league. Um, I'm just hearing all these things people saying in, in, the, in the media. I'm hearing everybody say this through social media the ESPNs of the world, the Fox Sports of the World, um, the volumes of the world. Um but Jason Tatum hasn't shown up. Sometimes you have to believe what you see. Jason Tatum has not proven um that he's I ain't gonna say that. Let me let me phrase let me let me choose my words carefully because I don't wanna say what I was going to say because that was just gonna come off disrespect. Um but Jason Tatum has not carried the load of a franchise player as we would expect in the finals. Yes, he has good games, but he never really left his mark on the finals. And that's just just what I see. Like, I know people can pull up stats, statistics. You know, they can analytical me to death. But I'm a true believer in the I test. I truly believe in what I see um, because what I see can tell me more than what someone can make up on paper. You can always put the numbers to fit your argument, but I'm always going to look at what I'm seeing. And what I'm seeing right now is Jason Tatum being very passive. He's been very jump shot happy. And when I say passive do not mean he's passed the ball too much. He's been making good reads and good plays, but He's been very lax today because by not attacking the matchups. By not attaching attacking mismatch. It's times where he have Steph Curry on him. Jason Tatum, you six eight, six nine. Well they say he's six ten now. Six ten. It's nothing to post him up or bury him under the bucket and get to and shoot over. Him. It's it's nothing to get to your spot and attack in a hurry instead of isO and sizing them up and letting people letting the defense adjust and have all ten eyes on them. Okay, new rephrase that all all sixteen eyes on you. Cause not only is the defense looking at you, the reps are looking at you as well. And and your teammates. So instead of ISOing so much far as with the handle, he needs to get into quick attacks where he can get downhill force foul calls which put Steph Curry and Draymond Green in foul trouble in game three. Um he needs to he he needs to keep making those easy reads when they over collapse, when they over overhelp, hitting those spray passes to the corner, hitting um the easy kick pass to the corner to Derek White. Um man, they <laughs> he he he's been a great playmaker as far as just making easy plays. Um But he does. He he's kind of in that Steph Curry uh, category where sometimes he can get loose and lackadaisical with the ball. And I believe Curry is more free flowing, and that's why he turns the ball over more. But Jason Tatum, I believe, he tries to force a read sometimes instead of just making the basic read. So I believe that's where most of his turnovers come. And um, yeah, that's just me. Because Jason Tatum needs to show up. And can I end this on a positive note, since? You know, I've just been killing Boston, Um, not because I hate them, just because I just hate sometimes the little uh, space trips they be going on where they just space out to get there in the NBA Finals. But um, I want to end this on a positive note before I go into the Game 5 adjustment and the simple fact that can we all agree that Robert Williams and Derek White are the most important players in the – boston celtics team and i'm saying this strictly because let's let's really break this down we can break down numbers we can break down all that I, i'm cool with that but when we look at the effectiveness of what happens when these two are on the court robert williams is shutting everything down the paint and the only mistakes that he's really making is that he's dropping back too far when he's involved in a pick with steph curry he's shown when he actually do shows high not to say he's stopping Curry or containing him, but he's shown to make it difficult, and he can move his feet. I really love the job Steph uh, said Steph Curry. <laughs> Robert Williams is done um, to protect the paint, to rebound, to run the floor to get easy loud threats, and I believe he's not being utilized enough as a vertical loud threat in this in this series because the lack of penetration that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown has been doing on a more consistent basis. And I can say Mark is smart, too, because he controls that as well. And Derek White, for the simple fact that he is a, he's shown to be a great defender and a great fit for this Boston team by how he defends Steph, by how he defends Clay, by how he's running the floor, hitting open corner threes and open threes, and just doing nothing that he knows he cannot do. Derek White is the ultimate ultimate veteran and the ultimate role player for this team, and he's shown to be one, one of the most important players on this team. Not the most talented, not the superstar, not the number one option, not the number two option, but these two are definitely the most important players on the Boston Celtics team for the simple fact of how they play and how they affect the game when they're in the game. It's not all about necessarily statistics, putting up a lot of points, but sometimes you can change the trajectory, the tempo, the cadence of the game by your mere presence and what you offer to the game for far as defensively, rebounding, spacing, and just being an all-around great teammate. So I just have to give kudos to those two because I believe they have been great when it comes to just being a great, great role player. So last but not least, let's get into uh, the Game 5 Adjustments and what each team, I think each team needs to do to make uh, to make an adjustment and to win game five. So just watching the game and watching the series, the series is pretty much going the same way when it comes to wins and losses for each team. And at this point, you're going to hear me repeat a lot of the same things as far as each adjustments from the last two episodes. And that's only because by game three, you figure out how the series is going to go. You figure out how the fight is going to go in the boxing. Let me compare this to boxing in boxing. The first three rounds are fill out rounds by the fourth round. You can tell who's making the adjustment, what adjustments need to be made and how the fight, how each fighter is fighting. Now, if I'm fighting a quote unquote southpaw, Paul, I understand that my straight, right? Because I'm an orthodox fighter. My straight, right is going to be key for me to win the fight. Now, if I notice that he's always falling for the straight right and he hasn't made an adjustment, I understand that this is how the the pace and the cadence of the fight. I'm going to set up my right hand every single time. So he has to make the adjustment. I know if his straight left is coming down the middle and clipping me, I know that I have to make an adjustment. But a simple fact, that is the rhythm of the fight. I'm trying to break the rhythm of the fighter. So each team is trying to break the rhythm of each team. So Boston Celtics have to find a way to break the rhythm of the Warriors. And most importantly, the rhythm of Steph Curry, because he is cooking this series. And for the Warriors, they have to find a way to break the rhythm of Boston. And a lot of Boston is just being physically aggressive and attacking and pounding them inside. Boston most effective when they attack inside. That's just a little extra monologue for the simple fact. I just had to put that in there. And I just want to sound all radio and 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 shit because I know Colin Cowherd. He's one of the ones that I look up to when it comes to podcasting, radio, and I love his analogies. So, and I come up with a lot of analogies myself. So I figure, why not use it now? So, um, but let's get into the adjustments. Um, let's start with the Boston Celtics. Now. Boston Celtics, their number one thing that I think they need to do offensively is simply attack the rim more. Attack the rim. Put pressure on the rim. Put pressure on the ref to make calls. Put pressure on the defense to collapse and uh, contain the drive. So if I'm Boston, if I'm Jalen Brown, if I'm Jason Tatum, if I'm Marcus Smart, I'm going to keep putting pressure on the rim, and I'm going to keep seeing if they can stop me from getting into the paint to stop me from stopping uh, um, stopping offensive rebounds because that's where a lot of their offensive rebounds have came from, driving to the rack and missing long and Robin Williams cleaning up their mess. Um, Al Horford as well, but I believe Boston need to put more pressure on the rim. If they put more pressure on the rim, I believe Boston will not only make it a game, but I believe they can pull game five off. Um, if they put more pressure on the rim, because they're the more youthful team, they're the stronger team, they're the more athletic team, and they're the bigger team. So if Boston quit settling so much for threes, I believe they put more pressure on the rim, that Boston can come out uh, on top off of just that main simple adjustment. And the main thing that they need, to, oh, my God, I can't believe I ain't said say this first, but the number one thing is they need to limit their turnovers and keep crashing the offensive boards. It's just that simple. Um, I, I mentioned it and putting pressure to the rim, but they need to keep crashing the boards and just need to keep, keep forcing Golden State, forcing imposing their size on Golden State in order to really just just really solidify their uh, their physical dominance and wear out Golden State. And everybody know, if the more and more you start attacking and being physical with a team uh throughout the game, the less and less they start knocking down jumpers. Those jumpers start falling short. The feet stop moving one or two slides early. Um so if you just pound them offensively, if you limit your live ball turnovers, like you can come out with this win for the simple fact that you are the most phys- you are the physical, youthful, athletic team. So if you want to win, you got to play to your strength. You have to play to the cadence of your strength. Your strength is offensive rebounding and getting to the rack. So if you can do those two things and contain transition and play solid defense, you'll end up pretty well. You'll be pretty good. So that's pretty much the adjustments I think Boston needs to make. Now let's talk about the adjustments or the things Golden State needs to do. Um, can I be real with y'all? Uh, this series, I don't know what Draymond been thinking or trying to prove. I don't have a problem with his podcast. Let's make that be known right now. I don't have a problem with his podcast during the finals. I really can care less because if he was playing well, he'll still be doing his podcast. Then what would y'all say? If he wasn't in the finals, he'll still be doing media. (laughs) So then what would you say? So I don't I don't care about his podcast because his podcast, in my opinion, is not affecting him playing like he's just playing bad. It's just that simple. He is not the Draymond of old. His athleticism is not there no more as much His, (laughs) I believe he's honestly he's been a self-check for the simple fact that every time he gets the ball, he's not looking at the rim. So if I'm Draymond, look at the rim, look to attack, look to finish. Don't look for referees to bail you out with a call. Just look to attack, look to finish, put pressure on the refs to make a call against Robert Williams. Keep attacking him, keep going at him. Even if you block his shot, block your shot, keep attacking him, keep going at him, and then that will open up your passing lanes to make these easy reads and easy paths. So, and then on top of that, when when you get the board, I'd rather you give the ball to Steph Curry and you go into drag screens instead of drag handoffs. So if you go into these drag screens, you are most effective when you're in the short roll. So when you're in the short roll, you attack more with force and downhill. Man, I love that word force. But <laughs> you attack more with force and downhill for the simple fact that now you can make easy reads with two-on-three, three-on-twos, 2 on, three, uh, three on, two on one on the backside. If they collapse, you already hit Clay. In a, you can hit Clay, Otto Porter, Jordan Poole. You can hit them in the corner or, or coming up off a shakeup or shoot. If they spray out to, to Clay Jordan Poole in the corner, they stay attached. Shoot, if you don't make the layup yourself, you can lob it off and dump it off to fine Looney. So it's ways that Draymond can be effective. He just has to be stop being such a self-check because he's just not looking at the rim. It's not the podcast. It's him. It's not him. He's not looking to attack. He's not looking to be aggressive. Draymond, all Draymond has to do, if he can get two two to three easy buckets that will open up the floor for him because now they go like, okay, Draymond is looking to attack. He's looking to score off of easy, easy short half court transition plays. That's what that's what I like call it: half court transition plays, where he can catch it in a short roll. He can attack now against a really. It's going to be probably a smaller guard on him, like Garrett White or uh, Marcus Smart or um, um, Peyton Pritchard coming off coming off the corner. Having to tag because he's in a short role. So, either you're going to give up a layup or give up a three. So, most people want to tag and, and attack Draymond so he can make easy reads out of that. So, Draymond could be such a self check. You know, that's my advice to you. Um, also, um, with me saying that I don't like the Draymond and Brown matchup, I believe Brown has the more youthful, more explosive um, advantage. Draymond has contained him a couple times, but if I'm Boston State, if I said Boston State, if I'm Boston Celtics, I'm going to seek out that matchup more and more. But the thing about it, you can bait Jalen Brown into playing iso ball, which is going to stagnate the offense. So Jalen has to be able to attack quick off of this if he gets this matchup. When he does it quick, they won their games because now you're forcing the defense to collapse, and when they don't, he was making easy layups, easy reads. Same thing with Jason Tatum, excuse me. Same thing with Jason Tatum. They were just attacking quickly. They wasn't waiting. All of their wins, they attack quickly. They don't iso. Um, I, they don't go too much iso heavy, and they bag they just really just get straight to the point and they're forcing the defense to collapse. Because everybody know when you iso against a good defense, all they do is going to focus in and they're going to shut out all your driving lane. And all they have to do is just force you to, to just make easy, simple um, mistakes. Or thinking the read is there and is not there. So, yeah, um, I don't like that, that, that green and, and brown matchup. What I would have since they changed up the lineup, and put Otto Porter in that starting lineup, I will have Otto Porter guard Jalen Brown. And I will put Draymond Green on Robert Williams because Draymond Green, can he does do a good job of boxing out and nullifying the big when it comes to just rebound. So I will have that instead of him on Jalen Brown. I need you down the paint getting rebounds, big fella. You get rebounds, you can push the break, you can give it to Curry to push the break, and you go into your drag action, your quick, your quick offensive reads, your quick uh, transition offense. Clay Thompson can get can get off a whole lot sooner. He can go nuclear, um, and I believe Clay hasn't been as nuclear as we expect him to be, and I wouldn't expect that from him coming off of ACL in an Achilles. So, but. I believe he's due one of those games. So I believe he's going to do it. If not game five, he's definitely going to do it game six. Um, And just keep limiting Boston to one shot. They did a great job of just gang rebounding. Of course, they let a couple go where Clay is running out early or Andrew Wiggins running out early thinking that one of the others is getting the rebound. Hmm. I don't know why I'm yawning, but. They have to do a better job. Um, I believe they can play better, and I believe they can rebound better because they let a lot of a lot of boards just slip through their hand or just, like I said, just miscommunication. They can do a better job of doing that. So I really like the fact that if they do these little small things, um as far as Golden State, rebound, limit them to limit the Boston Celtics to one shot, I believe if they uh, play better team defense, because I believe they can play even better team defense. I believe that they can play even better offensively, and if they do any of those things, Boston State, Boston, Boston Celtics do not have a chance at all. So that is just my my um, my reads. That's my recap of Game Four and the adjustments of what I expect in Game Five. So this is my first video podcast. I want to thank y'all so much um, for staying tuned in and tuned in and watching and listening to me yabber on about the finals and my views of how I view the games and how I see them. I want to thank you so much. Um, I'm definitely going to start doing these video pods a whole lot more. um, Because I understand that people watch these on YouTube as well. And uh, I'm still going to be on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. all of those but um I definitely want to add some more nuances and I'm going to get better with time so this is the first process this is the first step to to doing something this is definitely um something that I like I like doing I got to get used to looking directly at the camera <laughs> uh um so yeah and more podcasts coming soon don't don't even worry about it cuz uh, I got some things in the works for when uh, the season is over, we're gonna talk summer league, off off uh off season stuff. We're gonna talk about how to build and uh modify your workouts. We're gonna talk about AAU, AAU parents <laughs> and how you parents can uh be better when it comes to picking AAU teams and as well what to look out for and how to not micromanage your child. Also we're gonna talk about the essentials of what player's mindset should be, what a point guard should be like, um what college coaches look like for recruiting, what to do to make your team tryouts. We're going to talk about a lot of things, so but I just want to thank y'all once again for tuning in to this episode, episode number 3 of the podcast. So, I want to thank you and make sure y'all tune in, subscribe and tell a friend, to tell a friend, like, hate Comment and subscribe to the After Timeout Podcast, and I will see you guys later. Peace.